think that, you know, there are some people seem like they came out of the womb uh, just positive and hopeful and happy and with a smile on their face or whatever. Not as many as we would like, but uh, it seems like there are a few of those. But most people, I think, are given to default in the other direction. And that is, it's so easy to find something wrong with the things that we experience or the things that we see. And uh, I found myself doing that uh, just this last week. I was watching an early morning newscast and I saw the, I saw the commentators there and, and some of you may resonate with, you may have seen the same thing I did. And I, I said to my wife, can you believe, look at, look at that green dress that that, uh, that lady is wearing. She's doing the news. Look at the green dress that she's wearing. And then look at the green shoes she chose. And I said, does the, the green shoes and the green dress, they don't even match. I mean, they're green, but they don't, they don't line up right. And you know what I'm saying? How, how easy it is to go there first before we go anyplace else. It's like, I cannot believe, what's he trying to say? Is he trying to, was he flexing when he was, doing? you know, like, and it's just so easy for us to be negative, to be critical. And we can bring that into our, our marriages. We can bring it into the lives of our, our children. We can bring it, God forbid, into the life of the church. Uh, it's just negative and critical. And it doesn't mean that we're necessarily wrong. It's just that we gravitate toward the things that make us not feel so thankful. And so this morning's exercise is going to be to help us work on that tendency to not be so thankful to God for the many, many blessings. That's why I appreciated so much the words in that song. Count your many blessings. So I've been thinking this week about how the church needs to take, not just this church, but every church, life-giving church, needs to take the lead in teaching what the Bible says about the importance of having a thankful heart to God. So let's, let me read this for you again. You don't need to read it again, but it's the same scripture we began the service with, and it's from Psalm 92. And think about thankfulness this morning as it pops out as I read this. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. And to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. With the ten-stringed lute and with the harp, with the resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad, thankful by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. By the way, I can't go on without commenting on verse 3 with the stringed, uh, 10 stringed lute and with, you know, that reminds me of my 12 string guitar. Uh, I think about the harp Emily plays for us once in a while. Scott, I don't know how many strings that has. How many strings does a harp have? Help me. How many? 47. There she is. 47 strings. <laughs> wow. With the resounding music upon the lyre. I'm not sure how many, whatever. So, so those of you who say, oh man, I hate it when they put a guitar in the service. That's, that's a dumb thing to say. It's a dumb thing. <laughs> it's an opinion, and every, it's a free country, and everybody's, you know, I guess got, but it's, a, it's kind of a stupid thing if you know what the Word of God says. That's a dumb thing to say. It's a, so anyway, I get off of that soapbox. But, so I was drawn 
to the <laughs> Are you grateful so far? <laughs> so I was drawn to the second verse. I was drawn to the second verse that I just read there, and you, you read it earlier with me. This is what it says. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. And I got thinking about that this week, and I was thinking, Lord, what? Okay, your loving kindness in the morning. Okay, so why, why did you break it out morning and night? And, and you said loving kindness for the morning. And, and what's that about? And then you talked about faithfulness by night. And, and so what's that about? And how does that all fit in with having thankfulness? Well, somebody else picked up on that phrase that I picked up on. And maybe you did as we read it. And you thought, well, that's an interesting verse. I need to think about that. His name was Martin Luther. His name was Martin Luther. You maybe didn't know that. Martin Luther, a theologian. Martin Luther, who was wanted to be an attorney before he became a theologian, so he's a pretty bright guy. And he was a German monk and born in 1483. Martin Luther, theologian, German monk, born in 1483. And he took a look at this same verse that I was taking a look at this week. He's perhaps best remembered as the man who tacked the 95 theses to the door of the Catholic Church in the city of Wittenberg, Germany. And Wittenberg is about 60 miles from Berlin, just to help you give a, get a picture of where that may have been. I want to quote one biography that I read as I was reading up on Martin Luther and refreshing my, my, uh, my memory of him. And this is, this is with regard to those 95 theses that were tacked on the, on the door of that Catholic church. Uh, this is what the biographer said, quote, Though Luther intended these to be discussion points, the 95 Theses laid out a devastating critique of the indulgences, good works, which sometimes involved monetary donations that popes could grant to the people to cancel out penance for sins as corrupting people's faith, unquote. That's what those 95 theses were about. That was what was driving his heart and his spirit uh, to, to just be very simplified about it. What Luther did the day he nailed his papers to the church door eventually birthed something that history now calls the Protestant Reformation as we now refer it. And that's a pretty powerful thing that's happened because it, it's, it's impacted your life and my life and the life of every life-giving church all over the world. So what was the Reformation? What was the Reformation? This is pulled from just a news deal that did a study on the Reformation and gave a few bullet points. It's about a whole, much, a whole lot more than what these bullet points are. But let me put a few bullet points up just to refresh your memory. What was the Reformation? One, it was a movement which challenged the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church, which was pretty much in vogue at that time. Secondly, it began in Germany in 1517, but it soon spread throughout much of Northern Europe. Thirdly, and pay attention to this one especially, it held that salvation came by grace through faith alone, not by good works or payment. Let me say that again. 
It held that salvation came by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, through faith alone, not by good works or by monetary payment. It also led to the creation of Protestant churches, and they separated from the Roman Catholic Church as a result of that. And then ultimately, the Church of England broke away from the Roman Catholic Church later in the 16th century. So that's in a nutshell a little bit of what the Protestant Reformation uh, was about as a result of this guy, Martin Luther. This is what we believe about salvation. What he said, tacking those papers up on the door, this is what we believe when it comes to salvation, and this is what we teach. So it's an important thing what Martin Luther did in that day. The thoughts and the things that God had put in his mind and his spirit as he meditated on the things of God, this is what we believe and this is what we teach. Now, I'm not saying every jot and tittle from everything the man ever believed or wrote or talked about, but I'm saying in regard to these 95 theses, it was beneficial to the church of Jesus Christ. And so the church of Jesus Christ should forever be thankful this is, where it, this is where it ties in. So we, we're, we're, we're being taught by God's word to be thankful today, to remember to be thankful people. And one of the things that we should be thankful for, besides the blessings of America, is thankfulness for what some people did that helped us along the journey of faith. And that's what Martin Luther did, by grace through faith, not by works. By grace through faith are we saved and not by works. In other words, you can't go to the religious leader or the priest or whomever and say, well, I, uh, you know, I cheated on my taxes and so, uh, so I guess God's mad at me because I'm not supposed to cheat, I'm not supposed to lie, and I'm supposed to be an honest person and so I still want to go to heaven, so what do I need to do? And then the Pope in some cases back in that day could charge a fee or tell you certain things that you needed to do to do penance, and that somehow that would, uh, that would solve your sin problem, and God would no longer be upset. Well, you can imagine where that went, and you can imagine the corruption that, uh, that followed that kind of a practice. And so Martin Luther said, no, we need, to, we need to rethink this whole thing. It's not by works. It is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is his once and for all work that is working for us now. That's really what he was saying. And it's an amazing thing when, that, when, when the mind is opened up to that. And I can remember when my mind opened up as an eight-year-old boy. It opened up to the fact that I was a sinner and that by faith I could put my trust in what Jesus did on the cross that God the Father said was a satisfactory payment, that if I would put my trust and faith in Jesus alone, that God would accept that as the payment I owed, and so then salvation was available for me. This is exactly what happened as, as Zach was baptizing Jen and, and, and Ricky. It was an amazing thing. They wanted to come into my office and talk about 
they needed to make some changes in their life, and they knew that, and they knew they wanted to get in church, and they wanted a fresh start and whatever, and as I began to talk with them about the gospel message, there was nothing in there about everything they needed to do in order to qualify to have Jesus. All they needed to do was hear the gospel and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can remember both of them at the same time praying and asking Jesus Christ to come and be their Savior, to live in their hearts. And that's really what Martin Luther was saying. That's what it's about. It's not about the system of payment and indulgences and all these other kinds of things. And so we need to be thankful for what Martin Luther did back in that day. And so the Church of Jesus Christ should forever be grateful in bringing scriptural truth to the subject of salvation and how people go to heaven. Well, it just so happens. You say, why are you making a big deal about Martin Luther? Well, it just so happens, in case you hadn't noticed, that the world has just celebrated the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's historic act of nailing those 95 theses on the door of that church many years ago. 500 years have passed. We had a meeting with some people yesterday morning. It was a wonderful time with some people. And, and it was brought up that this was something that, uh, that some folks wish the church could hear more about. And I thought, you know what? This is a great moment for me. You can study it in Sunday school, and you can study it in your small groups, and you can go home and get on the Internet and study up about Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation and all that sort of thing. You can go a lot deeper than I have time to go with us this morning. But I thought this would be a great time for us to highlight why, why was that 500th anniversary something kind of unique and special for us? Well, it's because of what he stood for, and it's because of the changes that it made around the world. It changed a lot of things. Now, Martin Luther didn't have it right on everything, and he, he, he took off on some folks. He took off on the Jews for a little bit for a while toward the end of his life, and there were some misunderstandings about some of those things and some other things you can study up on it and see. I want to show you a picture on the screen that shows the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel, participating in one of the many worldwide celebrations of the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther, really changing the course of spiritual history, in a sense, of nailing those 95 theses. And to help us with that, I've selected a short video clip that I would like you to listen to right now. He had no idea that he was striking the match that would light up Western civilization. Karl Barth uh, makes the observation that Luther, when he posted the 95 Theses, was like a blind man climbing a tower in the church in the bell tower, and he began to lose his balance, and he reached out to grab something to stabilize himself, and what he grabbed in his blindness was, was the rope for the church bell, and accidentally awakened the whole town by the ringing of the bells. In many ways, it was the beginnings of the modern world, but there was something to that singular moment of the posting of the 95 Theses that not only changed church history, this changed world history for the centuries to come. And no longer now would human tradition and ecclesiastical councils and even the Pope himself be the authority in the church. The highest arbitrator in the church would now be 
thus says the Lord, as it was recorded in the canon of written scripture. I like to say it's a dangerous book for Luther because it will kill you. It will take you as a sinner and will deliver you into Christ's death, and then it will raise you up as a new person. He knew how serious this was, and he knew, as his critics had said to him, that he before God would have to answer the question, are you alone wise? He was the monk who changed the world. But there was one aspect of Martin Luther, for better or for worse, that never changed. Luther was a bullheaded man who was capable of moments of supreme self-confidence when he knew it was right and he was going to move ahead like a bull in a china shop. The problem with that kind of personality, though, is when they get hold of the wrong end of an argument or when they go off in the wrong direction, uh, the damage can be as spectacular as the greatness was spectacular. And yet this was the man, this was the man that God used to recapture the gospel. He restored the Word of God, the Bible, to the center of Christian life and worship. He re-established the importance of family, the value of music, the dignity of human labor, but most significantly of all, he recovered the truth that a person's justification in the eyes of God comes by grace alone, through faith alone. I am absolutely certain that no power on, on earth, no force in this world can ever extinguish the kingdom of God, that uh, the church cannot and will not lose. The church of Christ will conquer all things. That's the hope that we have. Well, doesn't that make us uh, a bit thankful this morning that God has used people down through the centuries to help us to be on the right track? And one of the things that we have so much in common with uh, Martin Luther and our own founder of Methodism, and we take his name uh, as the name of the denomination that we are a part of, the Wesleyans. You heard Charles Wesley mentioned by Mark as he was leading us, the song, great songwriter, and his brother uh, John Wesley. Uh, one of the things that they had so much in common was their incredible emphasis upon the inspired Word of God. And that is why we feel it is so important in this day and age that we stay close to the Word of God, as close as we possibly can. And so that's one of the reasons why I preach through, through chapters and verses and, and uh, books of the Bible, to, to keep us close and so that I don't uh, run the, the gamut of running off into the weeds on my own pursuits or the things that happen to inspire me that may not inspire you. That if we stay close to the Word of God and examine it on a regular basis, not only collectively and corporately, but if we do it individually, uh, we will be safe in the arms of Jesus. So in the spirit of thankfulness that God wants us to have in our lives, I'm thankful for the contribution of Martin Luther to my own understanding of salvation and how to understand God's grace. What he brought to the table has helped me understand that it's not about the, the, the uh, good days that I have 
or the bad days that I have serving God, but it's on the basis of God's grace through the faith that I place in who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross. That's helped me, and I hope that that's, that's how you've understood your own salvation. And though Luther and our own John Wesley, founder of Methodism, uh, who came to Christ a couple of generations after Luther, uh, even though they, they would have disagreed on an important subject called Christian perfection, they would, would not probably have agreed seen eye to eye, they were in agreement in many things that we believe and teach today, including what we believe about the Bible. Luther apparently gave strong consideration, as I've been doing this week, to that verse that talks about God's loving kindness in the morning and God's faithfulness to us in the night. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. And I say that because in his journals, in the journals of Martin Luther, he gives us two model prayers that have a morning and an evening emphasis. And guess what I'm going to let you have this morning? I'm going to let you see both of those prayers for a, mo a model, for an emphasis on something that may be a blessing to you each morning that you wake up, you and I wake up, and each evening when we lay our head to rest. Here's an example of what this man chose for, for his morning loving kindness. My Heavenly Father, I thank you through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, that you kept me safe from all evil and danger last night. Save me, I pray, today as well, from every evil and sin, so that all I do and the way that I live will please you. I put myself in your care, body and soul, and all that I have, let your holy angels be with me so that the evil enemy will not gain power over me. Amen. That's the loving kindness in the morning. There's hardly a day that goes by that I don't pray something similar for my wife and for our children and their spouses and for our grandchildren that God's angels will be surrounding them and that the evil enemy will not gain power over them in their lives. Yes, they have responsibility for their own journey with God. That is true. But as a father, as a spiritual grandfather, I can pray these things as well. And I encourage you to do that because we are people who are thankful for what God does as a result of our calling out to him in our petitions. Amen? We should be thankful. He hears our prayers. So what about the night one? Faithfulness by night. Here's his prayer from his journals on faithfulness by night. Heavenly Father, I thank you. <laughs> That's pretty good right off the bat, isn't it? Heavenly Father, I thank you through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, that you have protected me by your grace. Forgive, I pray, all my sins and the evil I have done. Protect me by your grace tonight. I put myself in your care, body and soul, and all that I have. Let your holy angels be with me, so that the evil enemy will not gain power over me. Amen. You know, have you ever had that sense when you, you've really been in a, a reasonable, deep sleep? 
and you awaken and, and you think, wow, uh, I, there's no, I couldn't have defended myself. Uh, I wouldn't have known if there was any danger. I mean, I was out of it. I was, I was in never-never land, so to speak. I, I had no conscious thought about anything. And, and it's like, I, I, you know, I'm pr- it's, you're pretty vulnerable when you go to sleep. Especially if you're single, if you're by yourself, so to speak. You're vulnerable when you go to sleep. And so he's saying, don't, don't, I put everything I have, Father, in your care tonight as I go to sleep and I can't fend for myself. Wow, what a great way to close out the day. It's a great way to start the day as well. All of us could stand to improve our thankfulness. Amen? That's me. So I'm going to wind this down this morning because we're going to have some fun and fellowship and eat a great meal together and all of that. But, you know, in 1 Thessalonians, he reminds us to pray without ceasing. This, this, is, this is instruction to followers of Jesus. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, give thanks. That is a mouthful right there. That is a mouthful. Some of you are dealing with something even now in your home, in your family life, in your personal life, or whatever, where there's some suffering and some pain and discomfort going on or potentially getting ready to happen. And it's hard to understand how we're supposed to give thanks for these kinds of things. But he says, in everything, give thanks. My dear friend, Dr. Stan Toller, many of you would know him. He's been here to speak on behalf of Lakeview Christian School a few years back. He, he and I have been friends uh, ever since about 1975 when we first met in ministry in central Ohio. Been a dear brother. Um, he's written a number of books on leadership and uh, the church. Uh, he has pastored a great church in uh, Oklahoma City uh, down through the years. Uh, and he was ultimately voted to be uh, a general superintendent in the Nazarene denomination. And uh, he's been fighting a cancer. It's a pancreatic cancer. You know what that means. That's a tough one. And so the family just put out uh, an update, a health update for my friend. And he said that uh, God has been good. God has allowed Dr. Toller to continue his travels his speaking engagements, his teaching, his instructions, and even the writing of more books. And all the while, he's been taking medical treatment for the cancer. Now he has come to the place where he can tolerate the treatments no more and is being being released from the hospital and is now in the care of hospice. This is my friend, Dr. Stan Toller, who has been given a tough assignment. Is he to give thanks in all things? And the answer to that is yes. And if I know Stan, he is. And will continue to do so. It is possible. Sometimes the Lord intervenes and he fixes things on this side, according to what we might like. You know, my mother could have wakened with no memory. My mother could have awakened with major paralysis. Had that happened, that would have had an impact on my life and, and, and Cynthia's life because I have a sister and that's it. 
On that side of the family, there is no one else. They're all gone. It's my mother and my sister and me. And so there's a certain responsibility that you feel as the older son. And, um, you know, you care about those things. God saw fit to allow my mother to awaken and have her memory and to be able to have her reasonable physical dexterity. It needs a little help and a little work, but the doctors think that's going to work. So for one, it works out this way for now. For another, it works out this way. But Jesus says, in everything, give thanks. So these are kind of extremes that help us to see. We, most of us live in the middle here somewhere. <laughs> and we have some good seasons and some tough seasons. Everybody's going to have some tough sooner or later. But I want, us, I want to just help us uh, with a slight little exercise here on developing a greater spirit of thankfulness. I read recently uh, a little story about an old grandma who was sitting on a patio bench and she was just staring kind of like down, seated on the patio bench and, and, and staring downward. So let me just read how the story uh, unfolds. I sat down beside her, this person said, and she didn't really know I was even there. And the longer I sat, said, I wondered if she was all right. You know, was she, was she okay? Because she was just sitting there staring down. And uh, finally, not wanting to disturb her, he says, but wanting to check on her at the same time, I asked if she was okay. And she raised her head, and she looked at me and smiled and said, yes, I'm fine, thank you for asking. I didn't mean to disturb you, Grandma, but you were just sitting there staring at your hands. And I wanted to make sure you were all right. Have you ever looked at your hands? I mean, really looked at your hands. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to stop right this moment, and I'm going to say, would everyone that's willing, and you don't have to hold them up or anything, but I, don't worry about looking at me for a moment, and I want you to look at your hands. He said when she said, have you ever looked at your hands? Now look at your hands. He said, I slowly spread my fingers, and I stared down at them. I turned my hands over, palms up and then palms down. I guess I'd never really looked at my hands, and I tried to figure out the point that she was making. Now, you're still looking at your hands, hopefully. Grandma smiled and began to talk and said, Stop and think for a moment about the hands you have and how they have served you well throughout the years. These hands, though wrinkled and shriveled and weak, have been the tools I have used all my life to reach out and grab and embrace life. And she goes on to talk about some thoughts she had about her hands. While you're still looking at your hands, I'm going to share some thoughts that came to me as I was looking and thinking about my hands this morning. And you, you take that as a catalyst to think about your own hands and the way God gives you. Just keep looking. Teenage, everybody, keep looking at your hands and think this way, if you will. These hands make me thankful. Why? Well, many times they caught me when I fell. I'm thankful for these hands because they helped me catch the football well enough that I was able to make the team. 
I'm thankful for these hands because they held each son and each daughter the Lord blessed me with. And these hands have been allowed to hold each grandchild thus far. I'm thankful for these hands because these hands have touched my wife's cheek numerous times to display my great affection for her. These hands wore the ring that reminded me in the world of my pledge to her. These hands, even this day, have been raised in a service of praise to signify the glory of God. This index finger many times has pointed toward heaven as if to say, Jesus is Lord. It's all about him. These hands have strummed a guitar and led people in worship. These fingers have played the piano keys. Sometimes they have become chapped and sometimes the fingers were stoved up from an accident or sports and they hurt. And sometimes even this, this hand of mine was broken once. And the strength that it once had and the dexterity that it once had to shoot a basketball and to, to get it in the hoop many, many times is now changed because it no longer functions as it once did. But there was a day when it did it well. Sometimes these hands have been so sore from overwork, but they helped me to finish the task. These hands have held the pencils with which I have taken exams and tests in my schoolwork down through the years. These hands have typed the words to hundreds of sermon manuscripts over the years. These hands have turned the pages of Scripture over and over and over as I have fed upon the Word of God. These hands have clasped together with brothers and sisters united in prayer of agreement for some great need. These hands have held brothers' and sisters' hands who were hurting. These hands have worked to care for my family. These hands have placed my gifts in the offering plate as I had an opportunity to give back unto the Lord. These hands have placed it in there for God. These hands have laid hands upon brothers and sisters. These hands have anointed heads with oil. These hands have dressed me hundreds and thousands of times to go out and meet the world. These hands have fed me 
as they will in just a few moments. Thousands and thousands of times these hands have fed me. These hands have steered my car to thousands and thousands of destinations. These hands have shaken the hands of brothers and sisters in the house of God for purposes of fellowship and friendship and encouragement. These hands. So the story closes this way. These hands are the mark of where I've been. The hands that you're looking at, they are the marks, they bear the marks of where you've been and the ruggedness of life. But more importantly, it will be these hands, these hands that you're looking at, your hands, these hands will be the hands that God will reach out and take when he leads me home. And with my hands, he will lift me to his side. And there I will use these hands to touch, if possible, the face of God. These hands. I will never look at my hands the same again. But I remember God reached out and took my grandma's hand and led her home. And when my hands are hurt or sore, or when I stroke the faces of my children or my husband, I think of grandma, and I know she's been stroked and caressed and already held by the hands of God. And I know that one day, I too will touch the face of God and feel his hands upon my face. So just in the simple act of looking at our hands, may we be reminded to be thankful. God is so good. He has cared for us in so many ways. Our tendency is to be critical and to notice the things that we wish were different or better. But our default should be thankfulness. God, have mercy upon your church, that the church would be thankful, that we would be, first of all, thankful for uh, allowing us to know you, to be thankful for allowing us to experience faith, thankful that we have been invited to be a part of your eternal kingdom in heaven, thankful that you have dispatched the Holy Spirit into this world, in this era, to walk alongside us, to be inside us, and to help us with the ruggedness of this life until you call us home. Help us to be thankful that we have one another. Help us to be thankful for this building that we have, even though it needs repair from time to time. Help us to be thankful for the teachers that you've given us. Help us to be thankful for the word of truth that you have given us, that we should study and study steadily and heartily. Help us to be thankful for the various programs that touch our lives and the various opportunities that you have given us to be a part of the greatest work in the world, the building up of the church of Jesus Christ. Help us to be so thankful for Lakeview that we would never let the devil come in and shy us away, scare us away, run us off, or cause us to have attitudes that are not grateful. Help us, Lord, to love our church because we are grateful for our church. Help us to do everything that we can to make our church successful because we are grateful and thankful. And Lord, help us to be thankful for one another.
We are thankful for this food and the fellowship that we are about to receive. Help us to be so thankful that we don't run out of here, but that we take a few moments to speak to people and to love people, and if necessary, to pray for one another, because we are indeed thankful for what you have done for us. We are thankful for those who have gone before us, whether it would be godly parents or a godly pastor or Sunday school teacher or a godly relative or someone like Martin Luther or someone like John Wesley or someone else who has so totally heard from you and shared what you have put in their hearts that has become a blessing of enrichment and growth and development for our personal lives. Help us, Lord to be a thankful people. And all of God's people said together, Amen and praise the Lord.